violent felons uh, taking uh, people's groceries out to their cars? No. I mean, they might work in the butcher shop. They might be good with knives. Oh, Dave. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 233. This week, we have an update on the FBI misleading a judge for a warrant, the federal vote buying scheme, jail housing scam, and Jessica tells us about the latest drug shortage. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Hello, Dave. Howdy, howdy. How's it going? Oh, every day above ground's a good one. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, they say false motivation is better than no motivation. I'll just keep telling myself that. Nah, man, we got to go go watch Holden play a, a football game. He's he's nine. How was it? He is super athletic, but he is not aggressive in the, in the least. He's just one of the sweetest kids you ever meet. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's just he is just a, a very kind kid. He, baseball, he does very well because baseball isn't you know you're not. Contact. I don't say football. You're trying to hurt anybody, but. <clears throat> It's just, it's just not, it's just not in his his makeup. To plus, he's never played before, uh, and and by nine, these kids have been playing together for five years. That's but he's crazy. he's first team offense and defense. He just he he's, and I and I understand the coach's frustration with it that you have this kid that's totally motivated. He if you tell him to go do something, he I mean he's totally motivated, uh, very athletic. Uh, tall. He's got all the attributes. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have the, the the killer instinct in him that that I did at his age, and it's probably to his credit. Well, KB, he should like try to be the quarterback. You know, they don't have to hurt anybody. Well, you know who the quarterback is. No, coach's kid. Oh well, duh. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't. I don't know that I want him playing quarterback, and I, and I'll tell you why. Because the throwing motion is so different for baseball and football, and he's been doing so well in baseball, I hate to mess with his mechanics. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you how, how sweet a kid he is. When he throws, a, a, when he practices pitching, he lets it fly. But if you put somebody in the, in the batter's box, he's so scared of hitting the other, the other kid that he drops fifty percent off of off of his velocity because he's make, trying to make sure he doesn't hurt anybody. Why is he so nice? I don't know. It certainly didn't come from our DNA. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he was, he was raised by a kindergarten teacher. I mean, very much a loving, uh, gave him empathy at an early age. It, it, it's great to see the, those two boys, you know, the twins, support each other. And their interests are so different. That yeah. uh, Preston is into uh, dance and, and plays and things like that. And Holden is the first one sitting in the front row at, at one of Preston's plays. To be there to stand up and cheer for him and stuff. And Preston's the first one in the bleachers when Holden plays baseball or football. Twins have a, a special, a more special bond than just regular siblings, though. I mean, like they have a connection that 
most people can't explain. Yeah, and some of the some of the things it'll come with age, like when Chris and I were playing, because uh, Chris and I are eighteen months apart. Uh, you know, our advice for each other after watching somebody watching a play is, "You would suck less if you did this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much, yeah. Sounds more on brand. Yeah, so it's, it's this sounds more like me. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't suck quite so much if you did this. Well, we're going to get into the specifics here a week, but. How is Stanley Eugene? Oh, Stanley Eugene is well. Um, as the show drops, it is it is his stanniversary. Um, Woo! I know he stumbled on my door or on my porch and forced himself in the door um, two years ago. And so you know, multiple books in two years. I wow. know, I know. Eric reminds me all the time that he has two books and I have none. So. <laughs> <laughs> Real support system there. But no, yeah, he is well. Yeah, I've got, I've, I know somebody who, who wrote a book, and I was like, so you've officially written more books than you've read. Oh, ouch. <laughs> That's a burn. <laughs> Again, men are awful to each other. Mm, they really are. And lucky you, you get treated like any, any, any of my friends where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll abuse you. Lucky me. <laughs> hey, you, you got that? You, you get that uh, equal right stuff going on. I've never asked for equal rights. I know you're the world's worst feminist. All right, so we have an update on stories past. The FBI uh, FBI misled the judge about search warrant on safe deposit boxes. We talked about a few weeks ago. Yes, this was the one where um, I think it was wasn't it California where the the yeah L.A. Um, it was back in 2021 and reason had filed, um, a brief in support of, well, basically they had asked for all of the, um, warrants and everything to be released and unsealed and the feds were fighting that, um, which was bizarre. Um, and and this was a, a, a safe deposit location it's not a bank no it was u.s private vaults which was a company that was under an fbi investigation well i think they still technically are but at least since 2019 so they raided the place and then supposedly what we were told was that you know they didn't the warrant specifically excluded the contents within the safe deposit boxes they got them anyway they seized everything um and of course, the people who's who had safe deposit boxes there were not the subjects of the warrant. So it was the it's a big mess. Um, well, then they had eighty six million dollars. Even if they found a, a safe deposit box full of cocaine and and acid stamps, nothing you could do about it. Not when you're outside the scope of the warrant, um, right? And they can't, you can't do, I mean, obviously, I guess they could confiscate it, but it's not like they could go back after that person. You know, if they had, if they found a, a, a picture book full of, you know, kitty porn or pictures of bodies this person killed, you can't do anything with that information. No, they're probably going to keep a closer eye on you for some other stuff, but not, not with that stuff. It would be, um, well, it's fruit of a tainted tree. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can't you can't use that as an excuse to get a warrant for 
going into this person's house and finding this other stuff that 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 goes along with it. It's it'd be it'd be thrown out. I mean, so fast to make their heads spin. So I don't. I don't understand the. Uh, first of all, they lied to the judge and they said they told. Well, yeah, the judge, you're kind of. We're, that's what we. I'm are, all over the place. Well, that's know. what we talked about before. The what came out this in well last week, a week and a half ago at this point, was that they finally um, the judge ordered the documents to be unsealed. So unredacted legal documents were filed in federal court, and it pretty much explained why they didn't want them to be released because. In an affidavit that was submitted as part of the process to get the warrant from the federal magistrate judge, the um, assistant U.S. attorney, Andrew Brown, wrote that federal agents intended to merely inventory the contents of the seized safe deposit boxes. Um, that's what that's what we we knew before. But in new ones, they said that they had drawn up or in the new released documents, they had FBI had actually drawn up plans several months before um, to forfeit property property from the boxes. And they just never told the judge about that. So they misrepresented the entire process to the judge when their entire plan all along, again, $86 million in cash, gold, jewelry, and other valuables were in these boxes of people who were not suspected of a crime, had not committed a crime, nothing. Um, their plan all along was to take their crap. Right. Yeah. And they, they didn't tell the judge about it. And the FBI yeah. agent, he said in a deposition, which was also filed in this report or in these documents, it's his quote was from the deposition. We'd already determined that there was probable cause to move forward with civil forfeiture proceedings against the contents of the safe deposit boxes before the search occurred. Um, probable cause to move forward on civil forfeiture proceedings. That's an interesting concept there because usually civil forfeiture comes when you're suspected of committing a crime or being party to a crime. So these people weren't suspected of being a crime. They just had a safe deposit box at a company or at a company location where they were otherwise, you know, investigating. Yeah, that's the... That's, they were digging. Yeah, they were digging. If they if they found a, a bunch of cash, which, you know, truthfully, you're not supposed to keep cash in a safe deposit box. Uh, but if they ran across, across I don't know, $100,000 stuffed into a safe deposit box, like, oh, well, we're going to take that and, st- and stick it in, in our budget. And then you have to go and prove that it's yours. It's... <clears throat> the 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 secrecy behind the warrant stuff it's the same thing with Mar-a-Lago is the FBI was pushing hard or the DOJ was pushing hard not not to release this information same thing here the agency was trying to push back and and like no 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 we don't need to re- release that to the public the hell you don't well the feds as a whole are um They are. It's just a different beast in federal court. I mean, you know, we have just just everything is different. The the way that they they provide records, what records are available to the public, how discovery works, just just all of it is just a mess. I don't like it at all. But um, another special agent said that they had like, they had the warrant application, and of course there was there were affidavits that were submitted to it, and then affidavits on the side, which I is what I just mentioned, but she also had supplemental instructions for the ones that were going to be raiding this 
private vault location and they were told to be on the lookout for cash that was inside the safe deposits and boxes and to note quote anything which would suggest the cash may be criminal proceeds um and then they brought in drug sniffing dogs to you know inventory the context or of the boxes and it is so gross and there are so many different people involved in this i'm not I'm not sure like what the remedy other than with like or with regard to the parties that were directly impacted that being US private vaults and but they had already violated their rights just by um going outside the scope of the warrant but like what do you do with these people who's going to hold them accountable is my question nobody You're talking about a US about attorney and the F well I mean you're talking about the US attorney's office and the FBI these are people who lied for 86 million dollars it's almost like there i mean it's not almost like it gives the perception that's nearly irrefutable that there was nothing to the criminal investigation that they were pursuing and so as a an fu they took 86 million dollars i don't get it i don't understand why Land of the free. Yeah. What, what, it's, this is going to sound wrong. I understand the crook that takes $86 million and runs away with it. He's lining his own pocket. These agents aren't sticking their... It's just... It's just I, well, I don't I think, know. I, I don't know what happens to... I, I guess it's ego. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I, I, would, I would point to things like the Ashland Griffin case or, you know... The time that the prosecutors down here uh, promised to null process a case and then they, they lost the case of the do- the co-defendant. So they went back after the person that they promised to null process the case for, for, you know, like it's one of those things where you start down a path and you're like, I have to see a victory and this is what I want my victory to be. And then if they don't get that particular victory, instead of just saying, OK, I, I lost one and that's OK because I've won all these others, they seek to win them all it's like that i think that's the the succinct way to say it is that i think we have a problem in some of our law enforcement and prosecutors who believe they have to have a 100 percent win rate and that is simply not true i don't think anybody I, expects that i don't want that um and, and you know what and i'm okay with that if they get rid of a bunch of laws on the books and you get rid of victimless crimes like possession. Yeah. When there's actually a victim, yes, you you want to find the person that did it. Yes, you want to wrap this case up. Yes, you want to prosecute this person because he harmed someone else. I don't know, man. The Ashley Griffin thing is. Uh, we'll, we'll, there's more stuff to hopefully coming that we'll cover cover in the coming weeks on on Ashley Griffin. That 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 story just makes my blood boil. I know. I everybody on the show knows who Ashlyn Griffin is at this point, and I'll I will never stop talking about her. But um, I had taken a small break from talking about her just because there were no updates. And when I had to write the story about her requesting a new trial, there are things that I had put out of my head because I couldn't think clearly when I thought about them, and having to put them back together in an article. I mean, I like I was just incensed all over again, and just wanting to torch the whole system. I just don't know what we'd replace it with, but 
Um, well, certainly take Barkley out and tar and feather him. Yeah, while shouting, it's not that bad. Yeah, if you just tell me to stop, I'll stop. Why didn't you just say get away? God, that's that. that uh. Let's get on to what you did this week. Um, I did a lot this week, but towards the end of the week, I attended a jury trial. Um, and it's a, it was for a case that we've talked about on the show. Um, it was in Bullock County, of course, and it was stemmed from um, an incident back in May of 2020 where, um, and I'm just going to use our first names because it's a little bit confusing, but um, a man named Robert and a man named Lloyd got in a dispute. Um, Robert was married to Lloyd's wife. So Lloyd and his wife were mar- are currently married. Robert used to be married. He's the ex-husband. They share, They have three children together. There was an incident. Um, well, there are lots of incidents. There are histories of... Um, there were histories of domestic uh, disputes, I'll say. Um, restraining orders, criminal trespass servings, things like that. But in this May incident, um, Robert was in the shoulder and ditch in front of the house of Lloyd and his wife. And the wife or the mother of the children went down to his car, to Robert's car, to speak to him about the custody exchange and to talk to him about some nasty messages he'd sent her. And when she knocked on the window, reportedly, he swung the door open, hit her with the door and began swinging a metal baseball bat at her. Um, and then Lloyd was up by the house with her mother who was watching all of this. Lloyd ran inside, got a gun, came back outside, pointed it at him, told him to get back in the car, yelled at him, told him to stop. You know, he's swinging the bat around yelling, screaming, I'll kill all you MFers, just belligerent. Um, Lloyd fires a shot. It hits the ground. They think, um, Robert freezes for a moment, gets back in his car and leaves while yelling. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> profanities, you know, things like that. Lloyd said, um, well, Lloyd and his wife and her mother, they called 911, reported this. Robert drove to the hospital because he had actually been shot by the ricochet of the bullet hitting the ground and then it shot him in the leg. Um, drove to the hospital. Of course, when you get to the hospital, um, it's a mandatory. 911 call if you have a gunshot wound. And so they called the sheriff's office. Sheriff's office came to the um, hospital to take a report about the incident. Meanwhile, back at the ranch where all this happened, um, Lloyd and his wife were giving a statement on what happened. Primarily because this guy had been served with criminal trespass stuff, like things were contentious. Anyway. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be there. The handoff was supposed to happen at a store down the street. Is that Correct. right? Correct. And he wasn't supposed to be there that day. Like she was the mother was very good about at the time. She she said she was like very open to the fact if if one of their daughters wanted to go with him on a day that was not um his she would let them because it's their father and he was close and things like that but like and, and, it was, and she's not a horrible human being right but also it was not a planned custody exchange day so the fact that he just had showed up and everything was was just a mess and so um and i think it caught them off guard and and then of course it went it escalated so quickly so the police realized that these things are related um, this is the sheriff's office that we're talking about. So they call for an investigator who responds to the scene and, you know, does his thing and, and talks to Robert and Lloyd um, at different times. 
And ultimately, he charges both of them with aggravated assault. And they're arrested, go to jail. Um, I don't know how long Robert was in jail. I can't remember this time, but I know that Lloyd was in jail for 21 days. Um, he eventually bonded out. His, he had an attorney, um, and his attorney obviously like filed emotions for immunity because he was defending the, the life of another, which being his wife. Um, and his attorney obviously was, I think, um, con- very confused by the idea that I think to everyone on the outside, it appears that they charged primary aggressors, two primary aggressors and respectively were, but the victims were not the same. Like for in, in the, in the allegations that were laid out at trial, Robert made with the primary aggressor against the woman who was the victim. And then Lloyd was the primary aggressor against Robert. But obviously to the rest of us were like, okay, well, Lloyd was clearly defending his wife. Um, so anyway, last I wrote about this, um, cause I, I, again, I didn't understand it. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the concept of trying, charging somebody, starting the process of sending them to jail. Um, of course, having a booking photo going forward through the indictment process because Daphne, our DA in true Daphne fashion, um, indicted Lloyd on additional charges. She added aggravated battery to his case. So I think he had three charges with the other one being possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. I mean, no, he shot him like, but you know, I, I don't agree with the process of charging people to let a judge figure it out. Like, a judge figuring it out like that is for a civil case, not when you're talking about somebody's freedom. The the I mean, was there probable cause to charge him with a crime or not? And there were witnesses. Uh, there. So anyway, that's how I found, about, I found out about the case. Also, Lloyd has like one misdemeanor obstruction charge in his background in Bolt County. Robert has a laundry list of things, traffic offenses, misdemeanors. He'd been charged with aggravated assault many years ago. It was null prost by our beloved district attorney. Just things like that. Like year like a long track record of just nonsense. Violence in the, in the system. Well, I won't say violence because I can't none of it was ever like truly adjudicated, but I will say of escalation for, for certain. Um, so while this is going on last year, while it's pending, um, obviously, like we talked about on the show, um, before Lloyd eventually has his case dead docketed because while we were waiting for the cases to go to trial, Mr. Robert decided to get on Facebook and make threats against a superior court judge in our circuit calling saying like things like he's a dead man walking. I mean, I'm talking like probably 30 posts about the judge and one of the um, courthouse deputies, you know, saying things like 
none of this is like we'll be together and talking he would write facebook posts to his daughters and say like none of this can be undone we can't buy back our time that the judge stole and um you know what reason like why would my my why would a judge take me away from my children i'm gonna get a lawsuit started and um i'm gonna sue him sue the whole county i mean just and some of them were short and sweet and some of them were long dissertation posts of just lashing out for weeks on end so finally they arrest him because he made threats against a judicial officer um he was he's been held without bond um for the duration because he's making threats against a judicial officer so when that happened the judge judge Muldrew ordered a mental evaluation of robert and the lloyd's case was dead docketed pending the outcome of this so basically like the da's office was saying was Okay, so we'll put your case on hold. If the other guy is confo- is found like mentally insane or guilty, we'll you'll stay on the. I mean, that's what it was implying. You'll stay on the dead docket. If if not, we're coming for you. We'll come back for you because a dead docket means it can be brought back at any time. So last week was the trial. Long introduction to get to the trial, but um, it was a one day. It was, they set aside two days, but I think by three o'clock in the afternoon they had. They sent the jury back. Like they'd done opening presentations. He didn't testify on his own behalf. Um, the but the wife did, Lloyd did, her mother did, officers who responded did, other officers who'd had interactions with him did. Um it was very it was very odd. Because and his in the, the story that that's on the Georgia Virtue, <clears throat> the nice thing about the way you explain things. Is you put a you you put a, a illustration in there as far as who's who, uh, well, even so much you put a baseball bat in, in Robert <laughs> in Robert's hand, and then you show the three little daughters connected to them, and then you have lines go. It's, I mean, it's a it's a I mean, it's a perfect flow chart to you, you ever yeah. If you go to a baseball game, you won't know your players without a program. Well, in the story, it has the program so you understand what players what. Well, it's confusing. Like, I feel bad explaining on the show because I'm like, okay, well, if Bob goes to the store with a baseball bat and runs into Susie and Tom, what, like, it's just, it's a, it's, I understand for people who aren't familiar with it or don't see these people that it can be confusing. And you're talking about, you know, her mother, his father, her, his ex-husband, his baby daddy. Like, it's just, so anyway. And, jury- and the person who comes out best in this is the wife, is, is the, the wife slash ex-wife. Because everything you say about her is she was doing her best to make sure that Robert was involved in his daughter's upbringing. Despite his violence and aggression towards her. Right. Is these because are, he didn't are, show that to the children. So she yeah, was trying are, to put are, it aside. These are your daughters. I want to make sure if 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 Susie wants to wants to go to go to your house and 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 you have time to take her. Let's meet over. I don't know. Dollar General is the only thing I could think that that you would have fifty of in the area down there. Right. Uh, we'll meet at Dollar General. Uh, make sure you got you've got her car seat, and I, I, I'm I'm superimposed. I have no idea how old the kids are, uh, but but yeah, if she needs to, if she wants to go to your house for the weekend, it's not your weekend, but she but she wants to do something with her friends in your neighborhood. Yeah, if you're good with it, we'll make we'll make the exchange. Um, the sad part about it is that after this incident, they got a TPO against him, um, which meant no contact. I bet they effing did. I know. I'm just saying it's sad for the little girls because it, you know, 
I mean, it's just sad. Like you, he, he was wrong, but it it's, and Lloyd, you know, he got a lot of criticism on my post for, cause he testified that he fired a warning shot, but his full testimony was that he, when he was pointing the gun and yelling at him to, you know, get, get in the car, leave, get out of here. He was pointing it at his head and in his mind, he said the girls flashed through him and how that's their father and he couldn't bring himself to do it. I mean, of course he would have if he had to, if, if the guy hit his wife, I'm, I mean, or like, I'm, I'm sure it was a difficult position or to be in and it was all happening very quickly. Um, but I commend him for not blowing off the head of his stepdaughter. I mean, that's, that's a lot to unpack. Plus look at what they'll do to you in the Ogeechee judicial circuit. I mean, hell it's a risk. So Anyway, but look, you come after my wife with a baseball bat, you're getting two to the chest. Yeah. I mean, he showed a lot of reservation and restraint and he still got punished for it. But yeah, he, he did everything with, within reading your stories. And I've been following this 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 story, I guess, for two years now. We've been talking about it and I followed your writing and all that stuff. Uh, you should go to the GeorgiaVirtue.com and sign up for the newsletter so you, you can follow follow along with, with this the sort of stuff that you're not going to see on hanging out watching Fox News or hanging out watching CNN. Stuff that really is impactful in Georgia uh, is is you know why you how follow the system Jessica. works though. Like that's yeah, what but, I want how, to yeah, exactly how the system works. This guy did everything that Black Lives Matter wants police to do to fire a warning shot. You'll never get a warning shot from me. Uh, to uh, wounding him only in the leg, to attempting to talk the guy down, get back in your car and leave, and, and we won't say another word about it. Just get out of here. And at every at every turn, uh, Lloyd was trying to let Robert leave. He wasn't blocking him in. He didn't uh, try to block his his means of escape. These are your little girls. Get the hell out of here. Get your head straight, and then. We'll do a hand do a handoff on the proper day over it over at the gas station Dollar General whatever wherever they meet. Uh, but the coverage on this was so good, and I'm just I'm not just kissing your ass was so good on this that that you understand the motivations behind both of them. And look, like I said, if you, if you swing a baseball bat at my wife, I I don't have to go into the house and get you have to understand how long this guy's swinging a bat if if he. Goes inside, grabs a gun, then comes back with it. And all during this time, Robert could have left. But instead, mm-hmm. he's got this baseball bat threatening. And he's saying threatening things, too. I mean, threatening, saying threatening things on their own is not a crime. But certainly, you think someone's more likely to act on it when they're wielding a metal bat. So the jury, I mean, the jury went back about 3 o'clock. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, this is going to be, like, so fast. You know, they only have one charge to contemplate. We're going to be out of here by like four o'clock. Nope. Sure enough, not. Um, they wanted at 515. The judge brought them out and was like, are you guys close to a verdict? And they're, the foreman's like, no, we want to take tonight to think about it. I'm like, you liars. You want to go home and Google it like that. It has and, and, to. And what was the reason I gave? I don't remember. <laughs> it was the Thursday that, that we're talking about. If they come in, even if they come in, oh, you what they want another payday. Friday morning, right. they get an additional. They, they get a three day weekend because they already told their job that, that they have jury duty the next day for sure. So, <laughs> so we come back at nine o'clock. They go back to deliberate at nine o five, and within twenty five minutes, they have a verdict. Um, 
And like, it really annoyed me on Thursday afternoon because we could hear, you know, you can't hear what they're talking about, but you can hear during Ashlyn Griffin stuff, like we could hear yelling, um, we aren't arguing and stuff like that. And in this one, we could hear them laughing. And I'm like, okay, nothing that you should be discussing is funny. Like there's not any quirky evidence or anything like that. Like you're just having too much fun. Um, and so obviously they were plotting. I don't know. They're jurors just, but they came back and said he was guilty, which I think was the right um, verdict in this case. He wasn't sentenced yet, but he faces three to 20 years because aggravated assault is one to 20 in Georgia. But when you commit it against a person who is a shared parent or former spouse or current spouse, it's a minimum of three years. Um, cases with Judge Muldrew, probably going to serve all those years. Um, but he also is still waiting to be tried and whatever they're going <laughs> to convicted because it's in writing um, for his threats against the judge. So he's, it's unfortunate. I think the girls are, gosh, they were eight, 10 and 12 when this happened. So they're 10, 12 and 14 now. Um, they'll be married, graduated, living a life of adulthood, at least when their father gets out, which is sad, but it is sad. And they're, and they're, they are the losers in this. Right. Uh, and, and I, I certainly feel for them. Uh, this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. Jessica, let's get into the news of last week. That's what I told you was going to happen in my closing thought the week before. The student loans and Biden and the pause and the, because, you know, everyone was, students were agonizing over what to do if they were going to have to pay their loans or not pay their loans with the 31st approaching. Last week, we learned that Biden going to he, forgive the damn loans through an EO executive order. Mm -hmm. uh, I have before we even get into the story, I have serious doubts that that's even legal. It's, that doesn't fall within the uh, the authority of the executive. Purse strings belong to Congress. This, you know, this is not this. It, ha it happens to be right around the corner from an election. Mm -hmm. It happens to be that he, they didn't go through the political process. So I, I have, we we're going to talk about the rest of the story, but I have serious doubts as to whether it's even constitutional to do that. I don't think it's within his purview. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of people who think there'll be court filing or court injunctions um, in terms of the implementation of this beginning with the ahead of the elections, and then it'll kind of just linger Af until after the elections and then after the elections they'll be like oh well we tried um which you know government is manipulative government wants to control you government is nothing if it can't control you and so if this is how it can control you like oh you have to elect democrats so that we can get this through i mean hello see the writing on the wall yeah so the white house plans to forgive ten thousand dollars in student debt for most twenty thousand for uh for some, uh, I think if they take a Pell Grant mm -hmm. or they took a Pell Grant. Which I guess they, the, the argument here is that Pell Grant recipients are were wronged on a more egregious level because 
Pell used to cover like 80% of the costs and things, and now it co- covers like a third. And so they would, people would take Pell grants, couldn't finish. And then I don't know. I mean, isn't that like something you're told on the front end, just like every other loan? And I, I, whatever. Uh, individual income has to be less than a buck 25, uh, 250,000. This, yeah, for a household, this really bothers me. Um, People are like, oh, it shouldn't apply to the rich. Yes, it should. The government's first rule, like if they're even, I mean, they're doing harm by giving handouts and these are literally cash payments that they're offering people, but it should apply to everybody. I don't care if you make a million dollars a year or $10 a year. The government, I mean, why should the person who's making 125001 not get it? Please tell me. What's the reason? Right. So what they're saying is if uh, you actually did something with your degree, it doesn't apply to you. But if you're a gender studies uh, uh, graduate and now you're working for Walmart for $15 an hour, it doesn't apply. Well, it's also just arbitrary. Like, I mean, they don't know how much loan they don't know what the loan Someone with 120, I don't, I don't know. Like, well, no, you're absolutely right. When you start talking about lifestyle, if if you're making a buck twenty five a year and you're living in New York, that's not a lot. Or you're living in uh, L.A., San Francisco, uh, Seattle, several places where a buck twenty, you can't buy a single wide trailer for less than a million dollars out there. Now, if you live in Statesboro, making one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year is a solid living. Yeah, but you're also like you're also forgetting that it very well could be that they this person who's making that much money has four hundred thousand dollars worth of loans, and sure they made that decision on their own. I'm not, I'm certainly not advocating for it. I'm all I'm saying is that it doesn't make any sense to say that these people are are worthy and these people aren't when there is no difference because you're not comparing anything other than the actual dollar amount they bring home. No other. I mean, what if the person who makes one hundred twenty five thousand dollars has $100,000 in medical debt, too, that is crushing them. Right. You don't think $10,000 would help them? You, you, want your, you want your red meat uh, of the show? It doesn't apply to trade school because they're already making more than 125000 a year. Some of them. Very much so, yes. Especially welders. Yeah. Welders. There's, there's, there's your red meat conservative statement of the show. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's ins- it drives me up a wall. To, to see, and I and I told you when we were talking talking before, I'm in a uh, several Facebook groups, and and I don't go to echo chambers. I mean, I do obviously follow uh, being libertarian and follow the the Republican Party and and all that stuff. So, but I don't get my I don't leave myself in echo chambers. I'll go and I, I'm I'm in a group that has a lot of communists in it, and I don't mean I'm calling them communists. They call themselves communist. And they are jumping up and down, cheering about this thing. And I'm like, and they say, well, well, conservatives. They want think to they say deserve it. it. Yeah, that's what's like, horrifying. Well, conservatives say it's not fair. Well, you know, aren't you the ones telling us life isn't fair? No, life isn't fair if somebody is born and they grow to be six three and they have natural talent that you don't. Life's not fair. That's just the way it is. Not being fair is not a function of government. Government literally has to give equal protection on the law. And I, w- well, I wouldn't be for just handing out ten thousand to every to to every adult in in the country either. I, I don't I don't like handouts. Uh, the 
biggest compl- biggest argument that I've seen from that side, the communists, is, is they're they're comparing it to PPP. Yeah, and how much of that was 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 forgiven. Well, PPP was taken out with the understanding that using the funds for this specific purpose or these specific purposes will be forgiven. You use it for salary, and there's a couple other things that you can use it for. Otherwise, it has to be be paid back. You can't compare the two. One, I, I don't agree with PPP. It, it it went to people who, I mean, it went to places like Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I mean, it went to people who were car not hurting. Right. Yeah, car dealerships. Uh, I've got I've got bankers in my family, several bankers in my family, and one of which is is a commercial lender in Florida. And he said, of course, banks take care of their high value customers first. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you can you can again fair. You can you know stomp and scream about fair all day long, but the the bank knows where their their bread's buttered. So, and he told me he had he had people that were very, very, very well off, very successful. We're not going to shut down. We're still taking PPP funds, and they want to be pushed at the front of the line. And the guy that was running, I don't know, a, a sandwich shop that got, that got shut down, well, he's out of luck because his balance is nowhere near this other guy, so his priority is way down. Yeah, PPP was a, was a giant abortion going in. It, nothing, nothing was going to live from this. Well, and we know that because, like, I mean, that's so, such an awful example, too, given the immense amount of fraud that they have prosecuted and continue to prosecute um, as if they didn't know it was going to happen. But, I mean, all we see are how much – the only positive here is that the money isn't ever hitting the bank accounts or the hands of somebody like, it's not like no, they're sending it, you a check and then saying, okay, you have to, like, there's no option. That's, that is one positive. It can't go to the dumbass. I've, t- I've told the story on the show before. I was at a a guy's house. I'm a kid to me, but he was, you know, he's 22, 23. He was doing his clinicals, which means he was at the end of his college life at Life College. Ha! Um, and he told me he had like $300,000 in, in debt. I'm like, how in the hell did you rack that up? Oh, he bought a motorcycle. He bought a car. He used mm-hmm. part of it for down payment on his house. Uh, and I said, and me being me, I, I said, son, how much do you make when you crack a back? He said, I don't know. It's about fifty dollars. Uh, uh, so, do you have any adjustments you have to do to to pay back three hundred thousand dollars? Like, do they not teach math at life? No, obviously do, not. A lot of these, a lot of these loans were, were fraud. No, I won't say fraudulent. Were not used for direct educational purposes. Right. And, and look, I don't agree with government-backed student loans at all. If uh, if you have the, if you want to take a loan from a bank to go to school, fine, do it. But it's not the federal jobs, federal government's job to back it. So I, I have. I have some some very serious problems with it. I, you know, how many people I know that that went into the military and used? I've got a friend. She listens to the show too. A friend now who's who's going and becoming a CPA on her GI Bill. She put she put her time into the Air Force. She did her job, and part of the compensation for that job is the GI Bill. 
And you got people that are out there using their student loans to to buy cars. We know this. We know it's not it's not anecdotal. We know this across the board. People, that's what a lot of these folks were doing because I get a free car because because I'm still in school. I don't have to pay for it for another four years. It's, it's insane. But yeah, I I don't know how this doesn't cause inflation. Well, yeah, it's hilarious to me that people are like, oh, well, this is going to be so great. Well, okay, so let's just talk about the fact that here's a couple of examples. A typical construction worker making $38,000 a year with a construction management credential. Their payments will be there because they're also going to lower all the payments in addition to forgiving so much of it. So they'll be paying $31 a month instead of the $147 they pay now. Okay, well, I guarantee you that they are paying $116 more already somewhere else, whether it's gas, food, clothing, boots. Not just that. The the, the average four-year degree went up by almost ten grand. Well... Hold on, hold on, hold on. They're saying that they're going to protect students in this executive order by reducing the cost of college and holding schools accountable when they hike up prices. Get out of the education business. Get out. Get out of that. I'm, I'm talking to government. Mm-hmm. Get out. Get out of financing schools get out of financing uh uh, students look college was so much more affordable obtainable and more access for people in the lower income brackets before we got involved in making student damn loans i've said before if you get if you get a if you get to go to harvard especially even as an undergrad there is a scholarship available to you if you are that good, that smart, and you got you got into a premier school like that. There's somebody willing to pay for your school. Now you may owe them some time when you get out, but there is somebody willing to to go ahead and and pay for your school and have a job waiting for you when you get out because they want a, a, a Harvard grads. And even with grad school, if you're going to Harvard Law. <laughs> There are law firms lined up down the block to get the to get these kids and like oh we'll pay for the school you just you're gonna have to uh, work for us as a as an associate uh, attorney for four years whatever it whatever it is right you know these these, these oh man I mean the the stuff when they start talking about how much they're saving you're not you're not saving $1400 a year when they when they reduce your payment oh they you're can't. prolonging it this this idea that you're saving it because you're not paying it no it, the the debts they're not saying the debt's going away other than the 10 grand they did it's say just, that they're going to after like right now they forgive after 10 years of payments um I mean, I'm sorry, 20 years of payments. If you're not done and you have less than 12,000 on your loan balance, they'll forgive it for good. Jesus. But they're going to drop that to 10 years of payments. Like what the F? Because. Well, like the, the, the thing in the story, the, a typical 
single public school teacher with a, a under, undergraduate degree making 44000 a year uh, would pay $56 a month compared to 197 a month they pay now, nearly $1,700 annual savings. Look, if, if you racked up that much student debt getting a bachelor's in early education, that's on you. That's your own damn fault. Nobody goes to goes to gets a degree in education thinking, boy, I'm gonna make money hand over fist. Why in the hell would you sign for a loan for a hundred thousand dollars to get a job making forty four? Doesn't make sense. No, it's Jesus. All right, Jessica, real quick. We have uh, a, at uh, $249 a day, prison stays leave ex-inmates in deep, deep debt. Speaking of debt. You know, this is the story that caught my attention because I've heard over the years, like, a lot of arguments by people who say that people in prison should earn their keep. They should have to work to earn their, you know, pay their way because... Um, it, it costs us money. I don't necessarily disagree other than the fact that if you're going to do that, I think you should also pay them like a, a decent, like you should pay them a decent wage so that they have a little slush fund for when they get out so that they don't go back to a life of crime. We're never going to do that because society can't fathom the fact that we want to send someone away to rehabilitate and be a better person instead of a worse person when they come out. Um, and this is evidence of that because um, this story, it comes out of Connecticut, but the state of Connecticut put a lien on this woman's house um, that she inherited along with her brothers and sisters from her mother who died um, because she owed $83,762 to cover the cost of her two and a half years in prison for drug crimes. In this house, she takes care of a, I believe, a disabled sibling. And the house, again, was their mother's. And left to the group of siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a partial owner. Uh, she's talking about have, having to sell, sell the house to, to, to pay the lien. How, how does this serve, serve the public at all, at all? Plus, 250 bucks a night. God, That's I'm nuts. Like, the Hampton Inn bad, is a hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bad food, a shared a shared room. I mean, and no freedom. The, uh, and again, like is she. I mean, we're ta- also we're talking about a drug crime. Um, I mean, what what? This is a new law that Connecticut enacted, and she's now the lead plaintiff in the case. But I failed to see. You talking about the public interest of, I mean, on us, on the level of the house and what, what, why would they do this? But like, it is absolutely nuts to suggest that someone who serves two and a half years behind bars should pay the state $83,000 when they get out. Look, I've never make that. She's a felon. I've been to many, I've been to resorts all over the world. Uh, 250 a night is about middle ground, but I wouldn't stay anywhere for $250 a night that didn't have a pool. $250 a night for to 
I mean, look, I understand running a prison's expensive. You've got you've got guards and and all that stuff, but this is it, it, it apparently f- most states have have yes. laws like this on the books. Most of them don't collect. Well, we private prisons charge the state something like $56 a day to house an inmate. Um and I can't imagine that the accommodations in Connecticut are leaps and bounds ahead of Georgia. I mean, we are bottom of the barrel for certain, but we're not. This, Connecticut can't be five times as, as good. I mean, there's just no way. Um, yeah. So, so they revise and Connecticut has actually revised their law. Um, and now it's just for the most serious crimes like murder Okay. And they only have to pay the first $50,000 of their incarceration costs. I would love to know what kind of job Connecticut thinks a murderer who is paroled probably, I mean, like, let's say, let's say that it's like Georgia, where you cannot parole, if you get life with, with parole, the possibility of parole is at least 30 years that you serve. Let's say you go away when you're 30, you're 60, you have like a felony conviction for murder on your record. And you're 60 years old and you you out, you walk out the door, you take one step out the door, you owe $50,000. Why would anyone ask for a parole? It's an insurmountable amount of money for these folks. They're coming out even say you go in when you're 20, you get out at 50. You're still what are your job prospects? It's going to involve your back and a shovel. It, that's, or a Walmart greeter. The, yeah, those are the jobs that like even even bagging groceries at Publix, they do a background check. They don't want violent felons to, uh, taking uh, people's groceries out to their cars. No. I mean, they might work in the butcher shop. They might be good with knives. Oh, Dave. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. But what are your job prospects? And the, the places that we see... Uh, it, as a, as a society, we want all criminals to see the error in their ways, get get right with the law, right with the Lord, and and move on and, and do something productive with the time they have left. They've paid their debt to society, but apparently not if they're going to hang you with another 50 grand. So when you're working for minimum wage, which... Honestly, companies that hire felons know that they can pay as little as they want because where else are you going to go? Yeah, and who who's going to like who's going to back you in that fight? So you, you know, you can't hire an attorney. <laughs> Why would an attorney uh, lend you any money? You already owe the state fifty grand. Well, that's what I mean. Like you can't even retain an attorney to challenge anything that's going on. I mean, it's just. And, and, and we wonder why people go right back to a life of crime that uh, obviously these people just are mentally defective. They just go right back to crime. No, it's because we don't forgive anymore. There was there was a time and this this goes back to me watching Westerns growing up and all that. So, you know, he was in prison. He's done his time. He's paid his debt. We're going to give give him a job. Let, let's see how things work out. Life isn't like that. Part of it is being a litigious society where I'd be scared to hire a former felon, especially anybody who got convicted of a violent felony, because I can't have them in people's houses because of my liability. Mm-hmm. 
and that's and that's sad that they could come out of come, come out of prison with a uh, with a certificate and and heating and air, but. I can't. Ha- I could have them on job sites that are like new construction, but I couldn't have. Doesn't matter how talented the guy is. I can't put somebody who was convicted of of uh, of uh, a violent assault. I-, I can't give them my truck and say, "Okay, we'll go over to Mrs. Jones' house and fix her air conditioner." I can't do that. The the liability is too high. Yeah, it's it's a mess, and this is. Um, I hope she. I hope she gets. The judgment relieved. I hope they have to pay for her attorneys, and I hope they have to give her. I mean, the, the, immediately they should remove the lien. Like, are you freaking kidding me? I just, I can't. Yeah, and look, this is a AP story, so it's a middle of the ground, a middle of the road story as far as uh, political leanings. Um, I, I, I she's she sounds Hold on. like a. I, before you talk about her, I just want to make sure that it doesn't go unnoticed or unmentioned that one of the top Republicans on the Judiciary Committee in the state, state Senate up there said that he opposed the repeal of the reforms that they already made, but he might support reforms in the future, like allowing them to pay off the debt in installments. He said, everyone has issues. The policy is to make one appreciate that your incarceration costs money. The taxpayers footed the bill. They didn't do anything wrong. And knowing that one has to pay the state back a reasonable sum on a regular basis is not a bad policy. Uh, Well, John, I don't support you sending someone away for two and a half years for drugs. So here's the other thing. I want to send him an email. What a jackass. It is within the judge's purview to say, hey, you're going to be fined this much. So that if it's part of the sentence, you know, put it in there. But but even even making payments, payments on eighty seven thousand dollars. What? How are they going to amortize that? Because eighty seven thousand dollars in let's just use a car payment, five years, six years. Eighty seven thousand dollars is what eight nine hundred dollars a month. The hilarious part. The hilarious part is that they say that the average undergraduate leaves college with $25,000 in student loan debt. And this is more than three times that, three and a half times that. And people have no problem with this. <laughs> Freaking hypocrites. And look, you deprive somebody of their freedom. But the, I don't even know if I would support it if it was the actual cost. But we know that you know, private prison gets paid $50-something a day, right? And this is that that's five times that. Mm-hmm. And trust me, private prisons are making money. Mm-hmm. They don't they're not doing it for the public good. They're making money. They are now for for two fifty a day. Am I getting better food, better treatment? Probably yes. not. Well, I'm sorry. No, not for two fifty. But um, in a private prison, generally, yes. But there's so many scams in prison. One being. They pay yeah, you ten cents an hour for your work, and then uh, you can go to the commissary and get a you know package of ramen noodles for five bucks that you can buy on the outside for twenty five cents. Or or you can go through the contraband. You can go through the contraband scheme that the prison guards are running, which are endorsed by the Georgia Department of Corrections. 
you can buy you could buy, probably buy it for like 450 there right so at, at in absolutely absolutely it, our prison system is so so friggin broken so broken yeah but the state of connecticut is absolutely the loser of the week all right jess as we're winding down what are your closing thoughts um, it's not really a thought. I just wanted to mention something that just I saw in the news. I was I saw this article about an Adderall shortage. I don't take Adderall. I know people who do. Um, I do know enough about it that you have to take it daily. So when I saw there was an, Adder- an Adderall shortage, I was like, huh, I wonder what's going on. So apparently pharmacies are having a difficult time filling the prescriptions. Um, and they said that it's a labor shortage at the medication's biggest U.S. supplier. Um, but... In a very odd interjection of government, the FDA came out and said, no, no, there's no shortage. We've been monitoring the supply of ADHD medicine through the um, portals that we watch all of you and how you get your prescriptions from. And there's no shortage that's been detected overall. Sometimes there are intermittent delays, but by and large, everybody is getting their meds. And I just thought that that was one interesting because it's not often that you see the government refute on something like this like especially when they're constantly talking about the labor support uh, shortage and the supply chain issues and all that but they're like yeah the stuff we use to monitor you we checked it and everything's fine so just don't don't worry so shut up yeah a better, a better line for the for the story is millions lose focus. Oh God! <laughs> Thank God the show's almost over. People have had enough of your puns this week, Dave. Oh, oh, I know. I'm an awful human being. The butcher was a little much. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday. Will be the 25th anniversary of the death of uh, Princess Diana. Uh, true tragedy, because you know I, she was had left public life and was trying to get away from you know paparazzi and literally ended up over, yeah overturning in a, in a tunnel in in Paris. Uh, she was the there are a lot of people who don't don't remember die. She was the people's princess. You know, she was considered a commoner. In this country, we wouldn't call her a commoner because she's obviously from a, from a wealthy family. Because you just don't bump into a prince when, you know, you're mopping floors at, at Walmart. That's not what the movies say. Well, there you go. I know. You just kiss, you kiss a frog, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is that the, the prince that she married was already a frog and she kissed him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was... I I think laws have changed across Europe as far as chasing down celebrities, and that's probably for the better. But it is, uh, uh, and I think that the the two boys unveiled a, a a statue of her not long ago, and recognized her work with I think AIDS and and orphans and stuff. And it's sort of what you do when you become a royal is, is you take up uh, a certain charities. But it is it's worth recognizing that Wednesday would be. Uh, 25 years since she passed in. And as I get older, it doesn't seem like that long ago. No, certainly not. So 
For Eric Cumbie, who takes the audio we provide him and turns it into something you can listen to, and this week in rather short time, as we're recording uh, Sunday afternoon rather than than uh, Friday morning, so he's got a got a hustle to get this out on time. For Jessica Salaji, my partner in crime, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon